Strategy number eight, your pressures, reclaiming peace, rest, and contentment. If I were your enemy, I'd make everything seem urgent, as if it's all yours to handle. I'd bog down your calendar with so many expectations you couldn't tell the difference between what's important and what's not. Going and doing, guilty for ever saying no, trying to control it all, but just being controlled by it all instead. If I could keep you busy enough, you'd be too overwhelmed to realize how much work you're actually saving me. Pressure. Pressure to keep up. Pressure to keep going. Pressure to stay ahead, stay afloat, stay relevant. Pressure to do for others what they maybe ought to be doing for themselves. Pressure to plan for your retirement years. Pressure to lose weight and stay young looking. Pressure to take on another ministry project at church. Pressure to always be the one they can count on to say yes. Pressure to jam another activity for your kids into the schedule. Pressure to do a better job of keeping a journal, organizing your pantry and closets, getting your Christmas shopping done early, then posting your clever thoughts and carefully posed pictures on Instagram when you're finished. Pressure to perform a certain way, look a certain way, dress a certain way, be interested in certain things, to be the perfect parent, the perfect wife, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend, the perfect employee, the perfect party planner, the perfect image of everything that everybody else expects you to be. Oh, and the pressure not to be the first one who cracks under the pressure. Granted, there's a baseline level of pressure that's necessary to keep us from settling into laziness and self-absorption. Life without any pressure wouldn't be what's best for us. But life with this much pressure? From a nonstop pace, a schedule that never allows time for rest or refreshment, or maybe actually enjoying the people we're staying so busy with? Pressure from the unrealistic demands we place on ourselves through our perfectionism, obsession, control, the making of appearances. Pressure from the unreasonable demands that others place on us. Pressure that makes us feel like we might be wrong or selfish or cold-hearted or snooty to enforce margin and boundaries in our schedule so that we can actually maintain enough time to be obedient to what the Lord has called us to do. I've noticed a few common threads running through pressures like these, and each of them leads back to a common source, leads back to someone who, as usual, is seeking to rob you of the most common ingredients to a fruitful life, a life of truly eternal significance, the life you were created by God to live. First, consider this. Ever notice how many of the pressures in your life resemble slavery? Like you're just being bossed around day in and day out. Do this, go there. Now come back here, do it again. See, slaves don't rest. Slaves just work. They don't control their agenda for the day. The day's agenda controls them. That's the regular dynamic they've come to expect. It's what others expect of them as well. The enemy's intention is always to enslave you. Primarily, of course, his stock and trade is keeping you bound up and bogged down by all the sins Christ has already died to set you free from. But when that doesn't work, when you defeat him on the normal temptation front, he's not out of other ideas. Because he's actually not biased toward limiting his temptations to bad things. He can enslave you to good things, your job, your ministry, even your recreational hobbies. 
Nothing is too healthy and life-giving that he can't turn it into a cruel taskmaster, one that bosses you around and runs your life. When God delivered the ancient Israelites from 400 years of bondage in Egypt, slavery was all they'd ever known, according to Exodus chapter 1, verse 8 through 14. All night, all day, all work, no play. The rhythms and demands of slavery had been internalized within them from birth. Whatever their taskmaster said, that's what they did. Refusing wasn't a choice. Saying no wasn't an option. I'm sure they didn't like it, but what could they do about it? Till the Lord sent Moses and ten mighty plagues and delivered them from the iron clutches of Pharaoh. Israel was free. They were no longer a slave people. But being officially declared free doesn't automatically take the slave mentality out of a person's heart and mind now, does it? God knew he would need to radically adjust their perspectives in order to get them thinking like people who weren't slaves anymore. Enter the Sabbath. Think for a second how the introduction of Sabbath among the Ten Commandments must have struck the people who first heard it announced. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. Exodus 29 through 10. Don't work? These people had never heard these words before, never been given that alternative. The whole idea behind this Hebrew word Shabbat means to cease, to stop, to pause. It was a totally foreign concept to them. All their background and training were built around going, not stopping, working, not resting, complying, not declining or decompressing. So you'd think the prospect of being allowed, no, to take regular breaks from their weekly work would sound incredible, relieving, reprieving, right? Think again. They balked against their seventh day vacation allotment and went out to work anyway, according to Exodus chapter 16, verse 27 through 30. Why does this concept of stopping, resting, shutting off, stepping away, pulling back, taking a deep breath, the biblical command of Sabbath, why was it so hard for them? Same reason it's so hard for us. Because to some degree, we're slaves just like they were. The thought of deliberately choosing a rhythm of rest and margin around our full slate of activities feels almost unthinkable because it lands on people who still think the way a slave thinks. People who've been trained through the years not to say no. People who are the unwitting servants to their master's calendars. People whose own impulses, in conjunction with the 90-mile-an-hour culture swirling around them, leave them feeling they don't ever have permission to step out of line, to hop off the merry-go-round, to decide for themselves it's time to close up shop and go home. That's a slave talking. Hear it? I can't just not, can I? No, you can't. Not if you're a slave, but you can if you're free. And guess what? Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Enough can be enough, not just on our calendars, but in every area of our lives. 
then we can sit back in the freedom that helps us start again tomorrow with our spirits rested, alert, and renewed. Wonder what kind of shockwave would reverberate through enemy headquarters if a woman decided to take her stand on that kind of battle plan? What if you found the voice to utter the dirty little word, no, without shouldering the least bit of guilt or shame for it? Sure, we're called to serve, and serving often requires sacrifice. Not everything we're tasked with doing should be expected to fit conveniently into our day. But a free woman possesses the God-given ability to know when he's truly asking her to do something, as well as the God-given ability to know when he's not. Then she has the God-given discernment to know her limits and the authority to know when she needs to cease, to stop, to pause. Accepting the gentle yoke of Jesus instead of the tyrannical yoke of slavery. Matthew 11.30 says, For my yoke is easy. That's what Jesus says. And my burden is light. Your father just wants you to be you. And that means not having to be two of you to get it all done. Jesus was the poster child for this kind of margin. Listen to him. In John 5.19, he said, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. Even Jesus, the son of God, realized that everything wasn't supposed to be his thing to do. He only did what he saw the father doing. Nothing more, nothing less.